Welcome to and Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And what do we got to do to get Morgan Freeman to narrate our lives? We're looking at the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> for better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how you doing today? I'm here, Jeff. How are you? <laughs> Jeff was also there. <laughs> he sat in his chair feeling like a podcaster. I'm good. I mean, his narration is just next level. Yeah. I think it's the, it's like the goalpost for any narration for Absolutely. a movie. I think, you know, I don't know what research you have done on this or not, but like... I had heard I decided for this episode to do no research whatsoever. So well, I'm just making up who was uh, up that. for the movie. I meant more like, you know, just general <laughs> trivia stuff. Chad Kroger of Nickelback was up for Andy Dufresne. What? Oh, brother. No. What I, you know. Penn and Teller were up for Red. David Copperfield as Warden Norton. Oh, <laughs> Oh, Chris really? Angel Mind Freak I'm not even Bob's. talking about the cast and Jeff. What, what are you Just talking about, Amy Joe? <laughs> try to talk about that narration. But you're making magician jokes. Um, <laughs> narration by the ghost of Houdini. Oh, um, no, but like he recorded it all in some little podunk studio where they were filming. And yes. then it like was perfect, but the sound quality is bad. So then it yeah. took like forever uh, to actually. Yeah, he, he like knocked out like in a few hours that first time. And then it was like weeks the next time. And you know that he's like. You couldn't figure out this goddamn hissing in well, the background and, of the track. And them, too. Like, I forget, like, who it was, if it was Frank Darabont or whomever. But there's just, like... I think it was Penn and Teller. <sighs> yes, Penn and Teller said, like, it was a great lesson in, like, just pay to do it right the yeah. first time. Do it right or do it twice. They end, Well, and not just do it twice, but you end up paying so much more because you're having to, like weeks of narration rather than like we we could have just done it the one time it's very true we'd done it right it's instead very of very placeholder but i mean what we got it sure is perfect oh, to me worth oh it. they're so indelible every single one of those little morgan freeman narration nuggets i love it <laughs> narration <laughs> nuggets. <laughs> can i get a five piece of uh, morgan freeman narration yes, nugs please you know what supersize it <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, so please supersize those Morgan Freeman narration <laughs> nugs. Uh, oh, my God. If I could just draw, could go to a drive-thru and pick up some Morgan Freeman narration nugs. Wow. Mm, delicious. <laughs> Every single bite. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption came out on October 14th, 1994. For spooky month. Oh, for Shawshank oh, Redemption. Uh, these, are, these initial trailers make it look like there's something supernatural going on. Because I think, the tra if I'm not mistaken, the trailers, or at least one of the trailers, are like, show that he escapes but it's like how could he escape wow. by what witchcraft well they're also probably trying to really trade on the stephen king of it all rather than being like totally. stephen king wrote things that weren't all uh, supernatural horror and this is the one that you want to hide that like yes. now you've got stuff like the green mile and you've got other stephen well, king even stand by me but there's still a body true. Stand very by true me, you know but, but this is much more in that vein I'd be if you, if you go back up to look at those trailers or even the poster, I feel like it doesn't. It's not. It's certainly not saying Stephen King's Stand by Me. You know, yeah. like you want to kind of bury the lead a little because yeah. there's that expectation. Um, and yeah, but Shawshank, it's uh, maybe that's why they consider David Copperfield and Penn and Teller because they originally thought it was Amy Cho. Your face went so quickly into My utter disdain for this and impatience bit for me. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, Amy Jo, what's your experience with that Shawshank Redemption? Had you seen it before? <laughs> I had seen this movie once or twice, by which I mean... One and a half times, splitting the, the difference. Yes. <laughs> Man, I'm feeling sluggish today. There's no hitting these balls back. I'm just going, yeah, fine. Um, uh, Aaron, my brother That's such Aaron. a great yes end to just go, yeah, fine. <laughs> when your improv partner is like, oh, this is your first time in my grocery store, isn't it? Yeah, fine. Fine. Okay, sure. <laughs> it's one of those. Sure, 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 sure. Have you always had those three poodles, ma'am? Yeah, yeah of course. Sure, fine, yeah, whatever. obviously. Yeah, great. <laughs> yes, three poodles. I guess that's technically a yes end. Um, okay. <laughs> Just trying to lift all the weight on this side. Uh, so, so one or two times you've seen this movie. No, I've seen this so many times. Oh. I've seen this movie so many times. My brother, Aaron Jackson, friend of the pub, um, I think he had seen it before me when we were in high school, and he's like, "You gotta see this movie." Oh yeah. It was one of those that I think didn't do so well at the box office, but like nope. killed on DVD. Not even DVD. They sold like the rights to this t- or whoever it was or bought the rights to it for TNT for like dirt cheap. So it's this movie. I don't know if it still does, but it would play on TNT all the time because they had it, it. I feel like it it's, does it's still like, play um, on TV a lot. It's like a, it's a wonderful life situation yes. where it bombed at the beginning and then they just aired it on TV f- forever. So everyone like grew up on this movie. Yeah. Well, we watched it on DVD. It's like how gotcha, I, how gotcha. I first got it. And this man, this is such a moment in time. This movie and North by Northwest, both mm-hmm. movies I really enjoy that also there's this, this would be one of my sick movies. I'd be sick in bed and I would just put it on because I found it like comforting and yeah. I could like wake up and fall back asleep and yeah. like, you know, it's long too. Um, but this was also one with a DVD menu where after it sat on the menu for long enough, it would autoplay back into the movie. That's what you want. When you're sick, you're like, I don't want the menu with some like loud, like theme music waking me up, but I want it to like basically do like five minutes and then be like, you probably want to watch this again. And so the two of those, both long movies I knew very well, I would just like put them on, be like, I guess it's a Shawshank day. So I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen this movie, which I will say has made my alternate casting incredibly difficult i will say yeah my choices are trash um you know this was a real hard one for me and then like i just kind of slipped into the space between spaces and for whatever reason got like a ton of alt casting for this that i'm excited well they're all magicians it sounds like so they're not all magicians (laughs) most of them are illusionists oh oh. (laughs) excuse me Uh, you are (laughs) excused so uh, and I have I have seen this so many times. This is, I mean, it's such a cliche, but this is my favorite movie. It's it is so like good. it's just to me every element of it, from the acting to the writing to the direction, the score. The score. The score. This is one of those scores too. Like this and Fellowship of the Ring are probably two of my most yeah. listened to scores. Yeah. Especially back in the day when you had to get a CD and listen to it on a CD player. Oh, I I don't know where it is now, but I fully bought the yes. score, not the soundtrack, the score. Of the movie. Well, I had the soundtrack too because it had the Hank Williams songs and and that that one like beautiful twenty like if I didn't come. Oh yeah, the one where he's in the car with the with the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've heard that occasionally just like pop up in the wild, and I'm like, (gasps) the beginning of Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) Okay, quick quick sidebar Uh, because I forgot because it'd be open and we'll I swear we'll get to the synopsis soon, folks. Uh, But it'd be open, of course, with him. I'll start the synopsis. Be open with him, like in the in the car with Tim Robbins, Andy Dufresne, Andy Dufresne, yeah him uh with the gun and like oh his his wife is cheating on him with her lover and so this is like 
maybe the only woman in this movie or like one of like there's, two movies. There's two her, women. there's the two women at the grocery store and there's the okay. one woman on the parole board in the 60s. Right, right. But there's very few women yep. with lines. Very few women with screen time. And so the back of some of the, co- the one cover, because I have this one, we had, I think we had this on DVD twice for some reason. And one is just, when you look at the back, there's Tim Robbins just kind of standing there with a cap and there's all the guys like tar in the roof. Mm-hmm. Not the best pictures to pick, but probably better than the other one, which you got three shots on the back of the VHS tape or DVD. What is Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman? And they're kneeling down together. I'm like, great shot to use. Get your two stars. One is Brooks holding the knife to Hadley's throat, which I'm like, okay, we're pretending we've got a little more action. And one is a shot of the wife and the lover kissing against the door. And I'm like, what are you? you this are, is literal seconds you of You are film. pretending that like, oh, we swear there's a lot of like sex and violence in but the, the movie. But the thing is, there's so much violence in this movie. And that moment is like a really false moment to pick the, the Brooks thing. I mean, not that it's not violent because it is, but it's like there's some legitimate horrible beatings and all sorts of stuff that happen it's like you know but that's harder to capture in a still fair enough but yet but yet it's still very funny to me that it's mainly the one of like the the, them kissing that's just like romance are these characters if you (laughs) the wife and the golf pro (laughs) oh the golf pro of course of course of course um but i've seen this movie one bajillion times and i love it every time i watch it so spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen the Shawshank Redemption or you haven't seen it in a while, what here's a, are you waiting? What are for? you waiting for? You must have seen this, so I assume you just haven't seen it in a while. Um, but here's a briefish synopsis. We do meet Andy Dufresne, uh, who was a banker on the outside. He's found guilty of killing his wife and her lover, a crime he did not commit. And he's well, in- we don't really know that till okay. Well, for the purposes the of this synopsis, he did not do it. Yeah, yeah, well, I guess if you you I guess this is a brief synopsis. So you're not <laughs> unfolding that realization when we re- and the point is you spend We're not over going half the, the movie yeah. you don't really know. You don't did know he do it? Sure. Did you he don't not? know for you sure. Don't know. You don't know for sure, but he did it that Andy Dufresne. Uh but yes, he's imprisoned in Shawshank or over the course of decades we follow his friendship with Red, Morgan Freeman of course, that that the guy who knows how to get things. Uh, and you know, nothing can break Andy, no matter what the other prisoners, the warden, all the guards, nothing can break his spirit and his hope of getting out, which he, uh, eventually does, uh, after some trials and tribulations, which we'll get to when we cover the different characters. Um, but all that is to say he escapes. And once Morgan Freeman gets out on bail, they get reunited in Mexico and it's the best ending to a movie (laughs) I've ever dang seen. That was a very brief synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) So initial thoughts, Amy Joe. anything from this? time watching anything jump out at you i guess this is the first time i've seen it in a couple of years so it's the first time i've seen it since i've been doing a lot of writing and taking a lot of writing classes and also being in classes where people are writing screenplays like not just tv or, or theater it's just amazing when you see something that's every everything every element of it is additive like but the like I was thinking of the scene in the library once like he Tim Robbins Andy Dufresne has like built this beautiful prison library so that people can like you know like actually like learn to read get their high school diplomas that sort of thing and so there's a scene with him and Red um where they're talking about like basically how he's been laundering the warden's money and this is all setting up how he's going to like basically escape and like it's setting up the ending, yeah. but it's also a scene that's just like riveting on its own. It's shot so well. It's like through the stacks, you know, and it's just like, 
there's nothing wasted from the very beginning. They get their Bibles. There's like the, the warden. It's always like Bible verses and this and that, which of course is like highlighting his hypocrisy, but also is going to be his downfall when you see that he's been hiding the little rock hammer and he's been hiding the rock hammer in the Bible, you know, and just, it's like when you know what actually happens, you can watch the film for so much more, um, so many more clues and knowing what's really going on. It does on. a really good job at like seeding those yes, little without you realizing throughout. this is something I need to pay attention Absolutely. to. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what I mainly noticed this time is that at least in one scene early on, Tim Robbins is wearing a wig. Oh, I really? Caught the little line. Oh, the lace. And I never knew that because I I didn't really realize this, but I'd read that um because Bob Gunton mm-hmm. as the warden had just finished previous episode Demolition Man, oh, right. so he had shaved his head for that. So he over the course of filming, he was like, "Let me wear a wig for the beginning, and then as my hair grows, then it would be my actual graying hair." Oh, that makes sense because I was seeing some of the later scenes with him. I was like, "His hair is thinning, but that looks like that's his real hair." Yeah, it's also very short. It's like very short yes, and kind of like yes. look kind of like the more, classic but version, more like, like a, hey, it's the it's the sixties, and I got me a cut to go with the times, right? You know? Right, and uh, I mean, I always figure they just added gray to like Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman's hair, but I didn't know because this was this was one of my ones. Not to the extent of Wesley and Princess Bride, but this was some hair envy on Tim Robbins because he's got some great got that floppy hair. hair. And I'm like, you're in prison. Where are you getting this gel and mousse and hairspray, my guy? Uh, but I always have been jealous of those Andy Dufresne locks. <laughs> and now it may have been a wig all well, along. At least, at least in the one, because I was, I'm going to tell you, about 70% of my viewing was going towards trying to see whether or not it was a wig for the rest of the movie. I've seen this movie a lot. I, kn- I know what I knew what happened, but I was trying to gauge and I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell because it's like, that just looks like what his hair looks like in other movies, but it's so perfect. But yeah, it was the one scene the near one the beginning where I could catch the that hairline. line. And I was like, fascinating. Maybe I, a reshoot and he had sh- cut his so. hair short. Yeah. Could be that. Could be that. I love that kind of thing. I thought you were going to say he had just, <laughs> Bob Gunton had just finished his run of Sweeney Todd, which he played oh. Sweeney in the revival on Broadway. But I was like, wasn't it like 1990? Sure did. Yes, that I think was 1990. Yeah. With the great Tyne Daly. Tyne Daly. Oh, the guy who plays Tommy has those great mutton chops that oh, yeah. are like thin and like, it's it's just like, yeah, you you oh, know he so just much walked. about this guy. He, he was doing a regional theater production of Bye Bye Birdie as Conrad Birdie, and he uh, walked off the set, didn't give back the wig or the fake mutton chops or the outfit, oh and gosh. just wandered right well, onto the set. I couldn't stop thinking because Jeff was just on a cruise ship doing Million Dollar Quartet for some time, so all I could think was like Elvis and all these guys, yeah. you know, and I was like, well, yeah, obviously, yeah. I mean, like Elvis was huge at this time, you know, but it was, it was just so funny. I was like, I couldn't unsee the the like well you know well mr phillips like i was just, I was just seeing the whole the whole musical in my mind short and he, that's uh, to, poor tommy which we'll get to killed in his in, before his in his prime before he could go on to write such classics as uh you know heartbreak hotel and uh you ain't nothing but a hound dog which of course elvis did not write but uh, we don't have time for that. Anyway, the <laughs> casting director of The Shawshank Redemption was Deborah Aquila. Aquila has also cast such films as Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Primal Fear, La La Land, and the recent Best Picture winning Coda. So as opposed to the non-Best Picture winning La La Land. Very. <laughs> also recent. True. Still recent in the memory. Or the not Best Picture winning Shawshank Redemption. I'll always be mad about it. Yes. Well, it Eat just didn't win. Forrest it didn't. Gump. Uh, oh, Forrest. Gump. Forrest Gump won this year. This was the year because there was there's quiz show, which is fine. Pulp fiction, which I get why Pulp Fiction sure. didn't win. 
I'm surprised it was even nominated, honestly. When given you just think of the being, Academy. Yes, I, yeah. I, I try not to, but when I do, that oh, makes Between sense. this and Shawshank, and I get it. I get it, folks. I get it. You also had Robert Zemeckis, who is, you know, and this was Frank Darapont's film debut, because Rob Reiner wanted to do it. He's like, I'll pay you oh. so much more money if I can do it. And Frank Darabont was like, this is my chance to make something special. And boy, did he ever. He sure did, yeah. Because his stuff before, or maybe this wasn't his directorial debut. I think he's got some Bananas TV movie called like Buried Alive that's literally about like a, I don't know, some cheating spouse that is like, I'm going to kill my partner by drugging them and burying them alive and then they break free and get revenge not quite the classy type of film you would uh, picture nor indeed but let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast some of these people may have auditioned some may have just been discussed by casting this is all subjective and as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Joe is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. I ain't got a clue. Let's kick it off with that Andy Dufresne. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Tim Robbins, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? The guy knocks it out of the park. Oh, he's so good. You I know? love him. It's also like, it's interesting because we get, we get a lot of descriptors about him because, right, this was a short story, novella. Novella. Novella which I read, but it was like in a collection of stuff that I sat at Barnes and Noble and read because I didn't want to buy it. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so it makes sense. It's like, we have this narration, we have a lot of description and a, and a character like Andy, I think is a lot easier to convey in a novel than on screen. So I think it, the combination of having like the outside eye who then has all this VO is very helpful for communicating stuff that like helps us understand what we're seeing, but also an actor like Tim Robbins, who you're just like, he's not like inscrutable, but he is just like, like as he, as he says, like my wife says, I'm a hard man to know. And I feel like he doesn't give a lot of way, but never doesn't give a lot of way, but never comes across as cold. You right. know? What did it say in the beginning? Don't they say it's like cold and impassive? Like, no, the, what does the, he say? The, you strike like, me you as strike a... me as a very remorseless man, Mister Dufresne. Mm, yeah. In fact, you're like cold and something. But yeah, like it chills my blood just to look at you. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's wow. It. See, I've seen the movie yeah. <laughs> a couple of times. I was like, let me go back into my audit- auditory memory. <laughs> but yeah, so it's but it's interesting because it's like you know I. I watch a lot of um, true crime and and just like crime style stuff and listen to a lot of, of, you know, criminal justice podcasts and all that. And it is very interesting. It's like we as humans want to map meaning onto things. We want to be able to categorize things. We want to be able to understand things. So especially when we're confronted with something like a horrible crime and we're like, well, it seems like the husband did it, but yeah. he is not behaving in the way I think that he should if he didn't, then that must mean he did. And I, like, we, it's just... Right. How different people process like grief and then also how different people are coached by their lawyers and how at a certain time and place people are expected to behave a certain way based on how they were socialized. It's just like you just can't know. Um, And it's just very interesting to like watch this and be like, how can you look at this guy and think that he did it? But I'm sure if I were like a juror in that courtroom, I'd be like, yeah. He this probably guy, did it. He probably did yeah. it, you know. Also, quick pitch for, I feel like this must already exist. And if not, someone needs to start either a podcast or a true crime like TV show that each episode is a different fictional character. So someone being like, Andy Dufresne was a banker in the night, like cold cases. Yes. Like someone trying to prove like whether or not he did it or not based on the facts of laid out in the movie. Uh, Make I, this happen, folks. There's, there's like podcasts that'll do like, that'll take some time. Like I think 48 hours. 
actually did like the Lizzie Borden case once. Just like 48 hours is covering Lizzie <laughs> Borden. But it, you then get all the people that they're like interviewing that are like contemporary investigators oh, wow. and be like, yeah. you look at the evidence. What do you think? And they're mm. all like, I think she did it. I'm like, ah, are we not looking at this with a nuanced view? But, you know, I didn't I didn't examine the case files myself. What do I know? Anyway, the point is, I think he's great. Again, like I said, listener, a lot of my choices are going to, I'm not, I don't have many for any of these people. I have a few more for, not even a few, I just had more ideas for Andy because I feel like he was a little bit easier to just like cinematically see someone else doing that. Totally. Funnily enough, the first person that occurred to me was, of course, Tom Hanks. Oh, of course. Just thinking Forrest Gump, which I didn't realize was the same. Well, year. also, uh, Frank Darabont's next movie, yes, Green Mile. Green Mile, but another it's also King just, adaptation. When you Absolutely. think who's someone just that you like believe is good, even if maybe they have like done bad things it's like well that's tom hanks that's what yeah. he's selling a hundred percent of the time you know? i forget what episode i think i said it before on something that if like if you like you know if, tom, if you heard like tom whatever if tom hanks you're like you heard like oh he's apparently accused of murder you'd be like no no <laughs> they got that and meanwhile wrong. you know if like jeremy irons was accused of uh buying an ice cream cone for a poor kid you'd be like what was he gonna do to that kid <laughs> What's the ulterior motive of Jeremy Jeremy Irons? Irons is very nice. I will believe it when I see it. One of my dear friends went to college with uh, his son and like she spent a lot of time with him. He's apparently a lovely person, a complicated person, but very kind. So, you know, we all saw him let let Mufasa go. That's all (laughs) all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Not even his face. It's a lion. (laughs) It's an animated creature. He was that good. All right, moving on. Um, another thought I had, and this is so funny, Jeff, because I had written this person down, and then you happened to bring this actor up earlier today in a totally like unpod related conversation. Same wavelength, right? But I was like, oh, you know who would be interesting in this role is Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, that's who I. Well, that's who I've got on my list. That's is probably, that's that what you were thinking? He was him? wild. He's on my so brain. Funny. Is that Jeffrey Wright? I just thought, oh yeah, he'd be so good in you, this. You need someone, an actor who's great to just watch, yes. think, and someone who's good with behavior someone who like you still waters running deep yes and that he can do very little and it has a huge impact he's also someone just thinking about him and like what was the bond movie that we did that he was casino royale yes where he has so little to do in that but you're just like wow here's a fully like a a person who i'm curious about who had a life before they reached this you could have a movie that's that's like felix and it's just like following him and how it and then it intersects with and that's not the writing that's the actor absolutely so um i just think he'd be great and then this thought this is not someone who i've ever seen do material like this but just i think it's also partially because like he physically reminds me a bit of tim robbins but i was interested in maybe like an alan ruck Oh, you know what? It's similar hair. It's, it's the hair. It's the hair. kind of lanky sort of thing. Yeah. But like, I see that. he's very good in everything. I, you it's know, true. just because he hasn't done a lot of drama, at least to my knowledge, I have not kept up with his You know, career. it's so true. I was thinking that. Like, there, of course, there must be some drama that he's done that just like didn't hit yeah. for one reason or another, you know? Sure. But like with everyone, everyone has like, everyone's got some like serious every comedian's got some serious role they did that for yeah. whatever reason just maybe didn't break but yeah i love it why yeah. not why so not those are, those are my thoughts on a similar note i was like because i don't think i've ever seen him in like in a real drama drama but like what about michael j fox oh yeah because very different 
very, but uh, yet height wise alone, you got to get a smaller warden to buy that he could steal a suit. Because Bob Gunton's that tall. <laughs> no, he he is. He is oh, taller. He is? Well, that's why he was like he knew it was like is partially to like match Tim Robbins. Wow, that's so, so funny because I think of him as being it. like a little man, but he must uh, it must be well, he's got comparison. that real little man energy. I wonder. It's so funny because thinking about like how short like Tom Cruise is, it's no. like. You see people in context. Like, I know Michael Shannon's very tall because, like, they shoot him that way. But also, I've seen him in person. Yeah. He's very tall. But, like, shorter people, it's, it's – <laughs> I, I I don't know. I just assume everyone in Hollywood is short unless they seem really lanky. Sure. You know, we know him so well as a villain. But he's also done other stuff. But I could see a Rafe Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes? I could dig. Very good at that. He's doing quiz show that year, like that aged Rafe Fiennes. Uh, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, of course – of course. I could see. I could see. Forrest Whitaker, I'd be interested in. He's also totally. someone that I, like, around that time of, like, the crying game, that I'm like, he does a lot with a little. Yeah. Like, that's a small, he's only in the first half hour of the crying game, and then he, like, you can't not think about him for the rest of that movie. I was like, if this was made much further ago, I know this was not written, this was written in, like, the 80s or whatnot, but imagining, like, the 1950s star-studded, or 1940s or 50s yeah. star-studded version, give me that Jimmy Stewart. Imagine oh. Jimmy Stewart as Andy. That's I mean, a beautiful Tim Robbins movie. is giving like a contemporary totally. Jimmy Stewart performance. In Absolutely. This. And if this is made later, I could see a Paul Bettany. Oh, I'd be yeah. interested in. He's giving me also lanky. He's giving me He's hair. giving me lank. He's giving me lank. Uh, or Matthew Reese of the Americans and Perry Mason. Oh, yes. Yeah. Also oh. someone that oh, yeah. I love watching that guy think on film. And he's, I mean, just because we, we watched that Perry Mason like, I don't know last year they're making a season two i know <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know anyone else that watched it so i hope you do listener and you're as excited as me no i know a few other people did but he but yeah this because there's so much screen time with him as like the drunk first you know mm. and like yeah just watching yeah he's his the face is good for acting on camera <laughs> the, the face it's good <laughs> the face well it's not just it looks good it's a good instrument oh sure yeah uh, so Frank Darabont, the director, said he cast Robbins after seeing his performance in the 1990 psychological horror Jacob's Ladder, which, if you haven't seen it, is scary. <laughs> which is, <laughs> is why I haven't. And you I never will. no desire. We will never cover it on the pod. But yeah, there is. I, I think I just saw it too young. I didn't even see the whole thing. I saw it like a clip of it. And if you've seen it. I saw like that nightclub sequence where it's like people start becoming like lizard demons. And I was like, wow. this is, why is this playing on this hotel TV? Where is Cartoon like Network? Cronenberg <laughs> situation. Um, but he is, I get, I get it. I get it in terms of that movie of someone who is like, has all, is besieged by like these hellish yeah. visions and is just like. And when's Hudsucker Proxy? Uh, I want to say 92 or 93. Yeah, like it's like before. right before this. I feel like that also puts him right in the period for this. True. And as like yeah. a comedic, but it's the same kind of thing, like a guy with like endless optimism. Yeah, apparently, yeah, because he, you know, he digs a tunnel out if you've not seen the movie and has Yeah, to, he escapes by digging a tunnel through a wall. And he's got to crawl through a river of shit. Comes uh, out so, clean on the other side. Yeah, so the, tun the tunnel like, is all clearly fake and that's like, made of like chocolate and stuff all the grossness but then crawling out of the actual tunnel that's just an actual like the pipe muddy water pipe oh, gross. yeah it's a sewage tunnel so tim robbins uh, he initially refused to immerse himself in the muddy water at the end and they had a chemist test the water and dub it lethal <gasps> 
lethal. Oh, lethal. Not just like, oh, this is kind of bad. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, Timmy, come on. How much of the water are you going to drink? Uh, get in there, you know. Uh, so I don't know what they, that's what the trivia I saw. So I assume they figured out some way to get him to come out of there and uh, it not be lethal. <laughs> lethal. Oh. <laughs> so Horrifying. as for the actors who were actually considered right off the bat, ding, 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 Tom Hanks Duh. was originally offered, but turned it down due to scheduling conflicts with, with Forrest Gump. Gump. It worked out great for everybody, except for it the did. fact that we unfortunately have the movie Forrest Gump. In the and world. I know people, I know you people out there love that Forrest Gump. But but I humbly submit. I've said it before and I'll say it again that for whatever reason, when I was in eighth grade, that was the one movie that all my teachers would put right. on if we were going to put a movie on at school. And for my whatever reason, my eighth grade, our classes were like 45 minutes. So by the time they put on the movie, they would only be half an hour of Forrest Gump and then on to the next class. So I've seen the first half hour of Forrest Gump no less than five times. No. And I refuse to watch another minute of it. I'll tell you, I didn't even see it until I was in college. And I remember being... I remember like underwhelmed. Well, no, I, I was out at like a friend's like a bunch of us. It was the summer and a bunch of us went to a friend's parents farm, like out in, in rural Massachusetts. We're like, let's go out to so-and-so's for the day. Um, and so we're out there. And we have this beautiful day and we're kayaking. We're this and this. And then we're like, you know, having a campfire later. And it's all these like um, these like smart ass Harvard kids who like uh, like I, I many of them I'm still friends with. But like, man, especially in college, did they love to hear themselves talk? You know, so I didn't always take everything. Some of the guys in particular, some of the things they said, like too much to heart. Because I was like, well, they just like to have an opinion about this and want everyone to know. And so they all started talking about like how bad Forrest Gump was. And I'd never mm. seen it, but I was like, well, it's supposed to be great movie you know but they're all kind of like ragging on it so i was like i'm gonna see for myself and then i watched i was like oh no they're right <laughs> this, is not, this is not for me <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh jeff bridges turned it down uh yeah i mean i can see it uh, this is better yeah oh i agree i i definitely see it though i mean 1994 instead he was doing blown away where he is a bomb diffuser. You keep talking about how we gotta see this expert. movie. We gotta, you gotta see it. I mean, it's he's hunting down mad bomber Tommy Lee Jones, who I believe is too mad for the IRA, but he escapes from prison and he's an, he's A, he's A. <laughs> a. I know where you're going with this. Jeff Bridges is, has a Boston accent. Not okay, a great thing. Strike one. B, Tommy Lee Jones has an Irish accent. Yeah, that's not happening. Not even like a bad fit is like this is an outfit that was specifically designed for not you. <laughs> but Tommy Lee Jones escapes from prison and learns about you two. Is like, this is pretty good, it is. Is like hearing you two. Uh, Blown away, 1994. Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones famously. <laughs> Irish. Um, the man, like, there's a reason he keeps doing movies set in Texas. And it's because mm -hmm. some some people just have what there's oh, there's some there's some great Eugene O'Neill stage direction in a movie that was begotten talking about like the map of Ireland stamped firmly on her features. Oh, you know? and it's like that's great. That's Tommy Lee Jones in Texas, baby. <laughs> well, they they stay they try to stamp it on his features, and that ink did not stay. It ran off. It ran down oh. like oof. It ran off in the water. Speaking of, Kevin Costner turned down Andy because he was doing Waterworld. Well, how about he regrets that? I don't know, man. I'm sure he's, he's still like, you know what? That Waterworld had its problems, but that was still one hell of a movie. I'm sure he, I feel like he's got posters of Waterworld and the Postman up in his mansion, uh, and he's still so proud of those movies. I bet it was a very... Um 
Well, I bet it was a shoot to remember. Oh, that's true. That's very true. Uh, And as for Kevin Costner, I am certainly glad it was not him. Yeah, not. I don't hate Kevin Costner, but but he's not. Not for this kind of thing. No, 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 no. So, because Rob Reiner really wanted to direct, in his version, he wanted Tom Cruise. Cruise attended table readings of the script, but then declined to work for the inexperienced Darabont. So once Darabont oh. took over, Tom Cruise was like, this is like a pretty much a first time director. Yeah. Maybe he maybe he watched Buried Alive and was like, like, you know what? Nope. I'm good. I mean, like, that's that's Leo's move, right? Like, as we've discussed previously, it's like, I'm going to work only with work, the, only I'm like, exclusively work. I get with it. Name He's directors. like, I was on Growing Pains. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I want to work <laughs> he, with someone. He was in Critters 3. I think that's his first movie. And I'm He's sure like, you know He's what? like. I did my time, babe. Uh, (laughs) Um, uh, Well, I got to say that I'm thrilled um, because what movie do I not want to watch? This starring Tom Cruise. I mean, I get it, but that's Tim Robbins. That's the thing. It's like, this is such an unshowy role. Like, it's really not a movie star role. No. I mean, it's like you have a ton of screen time, but you don't have anything flashy to do. No. There's, I mean, like, we've talked about the guy, the guy who plays, um, the the like actual murderer like with the weird teeth yes like what's Bla- that blatch what's yes. his name <laughs> is it, hold on uh, like e- I have it eli somewhere. or e- eli oh no uh elmo elmo, elmo blatch elmo blatch number one great name props to stephen king for that one but also he's got one scene he's got this little monologue and he's so creepy but i like that man haunts my nightmares and Incredible. good for him good oh, yeah. for him Good for you, Elmo Blatch. Good for you. Not Elmo Blatch, whoever that actor is. Good for you. Elmo Blatch. It is uh, da, 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 Bill Bollander, uh, who works all the time. He's 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 in such things as Dante's Peak, Reality Bites, Robocop 2, but he's still working. I mean, that you don't give a one monologue like basically it's one shot. single take it's like just, that yeah. and and not be able to come in and slay anything you do. It's true. And yeah, that guy, that guy crushes. Yes. Just, it's so good. It's so good. It's so creepy every time. And like, it's the little Muggsy laugh that he's doing. The yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, with those teeth, with those teeth, you know, and the like, way the teeth are lit. Yeah. Like, it's just. He's like so a jack o' lantern. <laughs> he is. It's so upsetting. He's like so well cast. Another thing that they did so well, the background casting was so incredible for this, Great. which is usually a different department. But like, they. Just like when they have all the fresh fish come in on the on the the truck and then they all not the truck, the van, and then they all get out. It's like only a couple of them have lines. So most of those are going to be background. And like they all look so distinct. They all look like such characters. They all look right smack dab in the middle of the period. It's like, oh, good job. Good job. Good job. Um, But regardless, why was I talking about Elmo Blatch? Well, we were just talking oh, about that, that and it's it's teeny tiny. You're not going to cast someone right. big in that. But like even that is a showier thing. You know, you have you, Tommy is like showier kind of you know, splashier show, yeah. bogs, you know, any of those or Hadley really like Hadley is like you get all the laugh lines, you know, all of that. The like, laugh lines for Hadley, the guard. No, oh, sorry. No. Wait. Yeah, H- Hadley, Haywood. Haywood's Haywood. the. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's okay. I was just thinking. Oh, that Clancy Brown. What a cut up in what that a, Shawshank what Redemption. A, you know. Oh, when he almost drops Andy off the roof for asking if he. What do, a who? Do you trust your wife? 
Hoo, uh, he does. My sides are splitting. He does get some laughs in that scene leading up to it, though. We were laughing. No, it's, it's you true. and I, we was laughing. It's true. We was just like, "What do you think? The IRS is yeah. gonna take a big bug well, out of my ass." Well, it's like, man, my brother died. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. It's like, I don't care. Nah, he's, an he's an asshole. Well, you leave you anything? Yeah, thirty-eight hundred thousand, thirty-five thousand bucks, or whatever it is. Yeah. It was like, oh, you're gonna you see that? It's like, yeah, with the IRS taking their money. Like, yeah. It's funny. That's someone who also knows how to get laughs, like oh, on the right great. level. But oh, yes, yeah, I yeah, did. Yeah. I did mean um, Haywood. Haywood. Will Sadler. Yes. Will Sadler. Who? Will Sadler. Who? Crushes. Like that's great. a showier role. But you're not gonna put Tom Cruise in that. No. No, no, no. But yeah, anyway, this get is, him out of my movie. Is the what point I'm is, this is not a showy role. Instead, he was doing in 1994 interview with the vampire. Yes, which is the showiest of yes, roles. Yes, your your hair's a flouncing. <laughs> you're prancing about, and you're you're like, look at my teeth, you know. <laughs> look at, it's been a minute since I've seen that teeth. movie. Is that a good impression? I, you know, I haven't seen it, so we should watch it. Well, we, I, we've um, I've just I've talked about oh, maybe maybe, maybe doing October? it on the pod. Maybe write in, listener, if you want us to do interview with the vampire in the pod. Because I'm curious. I really don't think I've seen it. There's since like high not a ton of casting for it, but there's just enough bonkers casting oh, that could be fun to talk about. But I've never seen it. So uh, let, let, let us know. listener. Do you want to see us do interview with the vampire? Write in to at or no at no <laughs> write into uh, and almost starring. At, at gmail.com. If you write into Instagram at and almost starring, I well, you could do that too. You could just do to that, say, but it won't. It won't go to Jeff. It'll go to me. <laughs> interview exclamation point. Anyway, getting back to who else is up for Andy? Johnny Depp was considered. Uh I, I see that more than Tom Cruise. I certainly do, especially I get it. in the nineties. Absolutely, know? but I see as much as he has liked to have crazy makeup and hair and crazy teeth and wigs. He also likes to act. He does, but I see. I mean, thinking of like something like Edward Scissorhands, he's got like a yeah. hundred words in that movie. I could see it. I absolutely can. Like, yeah, not a nowadays Johnny Depp, but a mid nineties no, Johnny Depp. No. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, maybe today him is Elmo Blatch. Oh well. Yes. Um, back in eighty four though, he was doing Ed Wood. Uh, and oh. Don Juan DeMarco with Brando. So he had a full year of that. You know, F- would, it, as I recall, was quite good. I haven't I, seen it in many years. But. Same. I've been wanting to do a rewatch of that for years now, but it's not streaming anywhere. Mm. I got to just bite the bullet and rent that thing. I think that's what I had to do. I want to watch that. I want to. I want to see that Martin Landau Oscar-winning oh, performance so again Martin as Bella Lugosi. Is one of those actors who I just think is like people. People know him, but people they don't really know martin lando unless you were like nerds right. like us you know i just like he's just someone who i think is just one of the greats that was Ugh. not yeah. given his due but you know i'm glad that i mean he man won an oscar yeah, he's true he it's had his, true. his big movies um but of course he could always be known more uh and nicholas cage was considered what <laughs> fresh hell <laughs> is this why have why do I have to think about that now? I thought it was going to be maddest at Tom Cruise, Nicolas Cage, sullying my Shawshank Redemption. I can't. The only see redemption it. would be that he the movie was over. <laughs> now, what if you went ninety minutes of this movie as the movie is, and suddenly he comes in as Tommy, like as as Ronnie? Okay, wait. In now, Moonstruck. Now. Now like, we're talking how like if you're like you watch 90 minutes of this movie you're like this is this might be the best movie i've ever seen and then he comes in hey <laughs> hurry up old man you're slowing me down <laughs> just 
Suddenly, it's he's like, I, I can't learn sunglasses. I, I'm trying to learn my ABCs. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V. Tommy, Tommy. W, X, Y, Z. Yeah, Tommy, see, you know your ABCs. You're going to pass your high school exam. Misfiled? My test results were misfiled. Anyway, the point is, I'm not in favor of this casting. I think it was a blessing for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't see Other things Andy. happened. It's just not, uh, it's not what I want. Uh, instead, in 1984, he had a guarding Tess with Shirley MacLaine. Gar and guard guardian Tess? <laughs> guarding Tess. He plays, oh. he's, uh, I believe it's Shirley MacLaine. She's like a former first lady and he's like the secret service agent assigned to her. Great. Or maybe not former, maybe she's current. Either way, she's some kind of first lady. And he's got to guard her. And she can be a little difficult. Well, Tess is tricky, eh? And eventually, they might become the best of friends. I, I assume. say lovers. No, it's like Shirley MacLaine. Oh, if they and do, Nicholas I'm Kidd. watching this movie tonight. <laughs> if this is a movie about him as an, like a Secret Service agent guarding Shirley MacLaine, and suddenly they have like a secret affair, that's fantastically. Shirley MacLaine's quite saucy. I wouldn't hey, know. Hey, man, Shirley MacLaine can get it. Uh, and. It could happen to you. Uh, so he was already and, tra and trapped in paradise. He had a full 1994 of movies that the Amy Jo has never seen and never will see. That sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy. Let's see if Amy gets angrier than the Nick Cage oh, suggestion. No. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Andy. One was not, and Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Your options are Matthew Broderick. John Cusack oh. and Charlie Sheen. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. This means some of these people were up for it. It means two of these people were up for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember how the game works. <laughs> yeah. Let me see. Okay. Andy uh, Dufresne. Matthew Broderick. Andy Dufresne. John Cusack. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. Charlie Sheen. I'm going to go some guy. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to go. Because it almost feels like the most sensible casting choice out of the three of these. I'm going to say some guy is John Cusack. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. Nice. Because Charlie Sheen is so not the not the move. And Matthew Broderick, yeah, you know, I don't I don't like it, but I understand it. Right. You know, it's easy to forget. In regards to Charlie Sheen, but there is that there's stuff like Platoon and Wall no, Street. Charlie that Sheen he, was was very good, but not at this sort of thing. Right, but I just mean in the sense that he was getting lead roles in showy yes. Oscar-winning dramas. Um, that it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to be up for a thing like this. That I could even see it. I don't want it, but I could see it. I could yeah. see any of those. He's three. just got so much of an edge to him. That's not this peculiar true. guy who's like, I just want to sit in my cell and polish rocks. You know, <laughs> that's true. Tim Robbins is a real rock polisher. He's a real rock hound. He says it himself. <laughs> um, was on the outside, like to begin in my new life. So Matthew Broderick was considered. Instead, 1984, he's doing that Lion King. That's oh, that's what you want. And you he's want to continue Simba. to make money off of that. Darn tootin. And Charlie Sheen loved the script so much that he called up an executive he knew at Castle Rock and said, I'll do this film for fucking scale. Wow. He even offered to film a 30-minute test reel to show he could do the job, but Castle Rock said no. So I think that this was really all on his see, end see, in I regards see. to him being considered. But that's still, that's still, you know, interesting. Yeah. Instead, in 1994, Charlie Sheen was in The Chase, 
Major League Two, and playing Ditch Brody in Terminal Velocity, where a maverick skydiver and a former KGB agent team up to stop the Russian mafia from stealing gold. Now, what's the movie we watched? The other skydiving movie. Drop Zone Thank with Wesley you. Snipes and yes. Gary Busey. I was like, what's the one with Wesley Snipes? That might have come out the same year. Oh. That We were skydive crazy. I think, point, like, I think it was because of Point Break. Point Break, people were like, oh, skydiving's cool. I'm sorry, that scene, that shot of Patrick Swayze being like, bye, and then like falling out of a plane, you're like, that's exciting. Yeah, but that movie didn't have the KGB. That's well, pretty but exciting. I'm saying to think I about see it. why people would be like, I want that, but a whole movie of that. <laughs> I don't want no surfing. I just want Patrick Swayze falling out of a plane. Yeah, I, I will say that I have seen Terminal Velocity multiple times because it used to play on HBO constantly. And I'll also say I don't remember a moment <laughs> of the movie. I did not remember there being the KGB. I barely remembered Charlie Sheen was in it. Uh, so let's move on to Warden Norton. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Bob Gunton? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I mean, come on. This huge crowd that came out for Bob Gunton. MVP. <laughs> Bob Gunton is so good. Um, so, so like the sanctimonious little hypocrite. He's he just does such a good job of like because we all know this person. That white collar villain. Yes. He's like the perfect white collar villain. So good and so like yeah the the hypocrisy that like. That he both is, in the way so many of these people who are like this are, is both like a beautiful symbol for what's wrong with the whole system and is also just like this individual who is a piece of crap, you know? Um, So good. He's so excellent in it. I found it really hard to imagine anyone else in this, even though I think this is a role that that all in all would be easy to find a lot of interesting people to cast in it. Yeah, this um, is a great older character great actor Great role. role for a character actor. So, but I just, I just had a really hard time. I get it. Because I just, Love he's so game. indelible, you know? Yeah. Um, so like my first thought, this is not a serious suggestion, but isn't it, was Eileen Brennan, um, <sighs> who... You know, um, this is Private like Benjamin, Private I get Benjamin, it. Pippi yeah. Longstocking, sure. um, you know, just that. Pippi real... Longstocking. Yeah, she plays an orphanage. Uh, like I know, but keeper. The, I was expecting you to say Clue. I was. No, 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 no. I wasn't just saying in terms of like types of characters. Yes, she's I, played. Sure, sure, sure. Mrs. Peacock, bless her, is not running no. a prison, although, you know, no, it's also no. a symbol of corruption. I think so. Um, but then, are, they, are they literally serving us monkey brain soup? <laughs> Is that what we ate? Um, my other thought, the only other person that came to me, and I'm sure like if I had really challenged myself to get into the liminal space like Jeff did, apparently, whatever, whatever. you know, then maybe I could have come up with something better. But um, a thought that I had was Chris Cooper. Yeah. That, yeah. that was the person I was like, yeah, I can see that. Love him, that. Him like absolutely murdering us. So. I love that. Born the same year as Bob Gunton is John Lithgow. I, just, I get it. I know he's he's a bit not hammy, but, but he's a bit hammy, hammy for me. But I see it type. I see type wise yeah. of him being the, doing the real buttoned up. But thinking of him in like Perry Mason, yes. he's he's he could be much more grounded. He did occur to me, but I was kind of like I just yeah. it was like a little too. But I mean, there's another tall drink of water. Or it can't be with Tim Robbins if you want to buy the suit stealing him stealing the suit to wear out. Yeah. It'd have to be like Michael J. Fox, but also born the same year as Bob Gunton, 
Bob Balaban, imagine teeny tiny Bob Balaban where you're like, this yeah. guy has all the power. This teeny tiny little yeah. sweet mouse of a man is just like, oh, I'm well, sorry. He's That's- someone who mm. also often will be playing someone with a lot of like aggression he has been sitting on, you know. Like waiting for Guffman? Well, waiting for Guffman. <laughs> but even even thinking of him in like um in Gosford Park. Oh, he's yeah. he's someone with a lot of power who, like you see when he's not getting what he wants, he just uses it. He uses his displeasure in a very kind of like sideways kind of way, which is what you need when you're dealing with someone waspy. Right. You yeah. need or, or you know, whatever the Catholic version of waspy is, you know, but you just need someone who is just like, yeah, you make sure to thank Maisie for this fine pie, mm, you know? Yeah. And people that read a bit more of the heavy, I could see like a Stacy Keach or Ooh. a Sam Neill. Sam Neill. I'd be really interested. In 94. I mean, Jurassic Park is the year prior. Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking like a little older Sam Neill maybe, but yeah. But, but, yeah. but I mean, how much older is Bob Gunton than Sam Neill? You know, I feel like if I you gray, true. but it's also you're gray in the hair a bit. You give him a little mustache and that also hey, ages him up already. Uh, Stacy Keach, not mentioned nearly enough on this podcast. I know, and he's great. Yeah, I'm glad we're changing that today. Yeah. So according to Bob Gunton, the film is so popular in terms of TV screenings and downloads that he earned nearly $100,000 in residuals in a single year wow. just from this movie. Wow. That's bananas to me i'm like how much could he possibly this is a small budget i'm like that sounds like maybe that was what he was paid at most to begin with yes and now he can make that off a year that's how much this movie plays on tv and how great this movie is that's great we love to hear it we love we love Love when someone's able to like love it you know do really great work and continue to flourish because though i've seen bob gutton pop up in things he's on the daredevil not making that money from demolition man but no exactly but it's also in terms of i'm not seeing him like in big showy roles today you know so i'm glad that he is still making bank from this classic performance in this perfect film but one other actor was considered it was james cromwell i thought of him i thought of him for obvious reasons which is you got the height he did well no (laughs) thinking of la confidential obviously like the turn that he does from like which is kind of like you you see that Andy knows he's not a good guy, but thinks he will still be on his side. Like doesn't realize doesn't how the deep extent. the iron runs into the yeah. soul of this guy. Mm. And like, I feel like that is, you know, the line that James Cromwell walks really beautifully. And I remember, Oh, with our guest from last week, Robin cage, we were college roommates. That's how we first met. And uh, we watched, I think she showed me that movie for the first time. And when the scene, happens oh, LA confidential, where, where, the scene happens where, you know, he pulls the gun out and shoots, you know, he, whose name we do not speak. Um, I went, I knew it. She was like, what? How? I was like, I've seen movies before, Robin. I have seen movies before, but like, it's such a great turn, you know, but so I did think oh, yeah. of him. Oh yeah. This. Now he'd be great. And this is like before he really hit, I think babe was like the next year. Cause instead in 1994, he was in a TV movie remake of The Shaggy Dog and Revenge of the Nerds 4, Nerds in Love. So James Cromwell, like he was doing theater. He's in, yeah. you can find online. He's um has like a small role in uh, this production of Barefoot in the Park. That's quite good. I've seen him on stage. Ooh, so have I. I saw him in Grand Horizons on the Broadway. I saw him in Galway playing uh, the oh. father in oh. Long Day's Journey Into Night. Oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, and he, of course, would go on to be in Green Mile, which I love. There's oh, right. a lot of people yeah. that are in this that are then go on to be in Green Mile or people that like Tom Hanks. Weren't the right fit, but or turned or, it down. Or yeah. had to turn it down. That's like, well, then I'm getting you for the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Jeffrey DeMunn, who's the the prosecuting lawyer in the beginning, mm-hmm. who's he's great. great. And he's he's in so many things. I, was I love thinking Jeffrey about DeMunn. him today. Uh, today. I was thinking about him when we were watching it the other day. Just like, this guy's killing it. Everybody's killing it. And he's also in Green Mile. Like, he's also one of, like, the guards with mm-hmm. Tom Hanks. Uh, I think he's, like, the sympathetic guard. Anyway, uh, yeah, I love I love James Cromwell. And I could totally see it. But Bob Gutton, Bob Gutton is something about him that he is just, like, I hate him the second I see him. And yeah. James Cromwell, he's still lovable to me. Even, yes. like, in L.A. Confidential. Even after the turn. Well, maybe it's because he shoots he who shall not be named <laughs> that I love him even more. Um, I know, but there is something. <laughs> there's a difference between a villain that's, like, a... Like, wow, I don't know why this is the first thing that came to mind, but like Cyril Richard as Captain Hook in like the Peter Pan, just like just the tip of the tongue. Like, well, <laughs> I'm always thinking about Cyril Richard, but like how it's just like, yeah, yes, well, there's the difference. Know? There's a difference between like the fun villain and the and one the you're villain like, that you, it's, there's not a moment of like the, the villain you love to hate. This is just the villain that you hate. Yes. You and you should loathe. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, this guy's the worst. And yeah. everything is so calculated about him. And it's like the kind of like, it's not that he's dead behind the eyes. Cause he's right. like very, but it's just like the, yeah, he's like a, like a calculator and he's just, you just, you know that his, his soul is like rusted. And it's so satisfying at the end oh. that Andy, of course, if you've not seen it in a while that Andy, like, gets all he's been doing all his like illegal bookkeeping yeah, laundering the books. laundering but under like a fake name that he's invented so when he escapes he goes to the bank as this fake name because he's the one that signs it all to take out all the money and then ships all these books to like the press yeah so bob gotten like winds up shooting himself in his office and it's like it's so satisfying because when he you just see the like the terror in his eyes and like the how did this happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the worst, uh, let's talk about Boggs. Oh. Uh, yes, this is a guy, so kind of a small role, but he is, uh, one of the, the sisters who, uh, is terrorizing Andy for his first year or two at Shawshank and repeatedly Continually sexually, sexually assaulting yeah. him. Yeah. So this is, um, this actor, Mark Ralston, such movies as, uh, aliens rush hour, the departed. And he's apparently the voice of, Norman Osborn in that Spider-Man PS4 game that I play and and many others have. So this guy works all the time. Um, But what are your thoughts on him, Amy Jo? And who'd you cast if you had to cast someone else? Yeah, I think he's really excellent. It's a tricky, (laughs) it's a hard role, right? Like, you know, it's a real creep. Just and brutal. And um, I think one of the things that, that really is like, when you think about like how how are we going to do this like other than like just having the actor be like an awful human it's like how are we going to shoot this person how are we going to style them and like he's got that like light like gingery kind of hair that's slicked back so you just see like these huge light eyes like they're so creepy (laughs) like his eyes are so light they're like almost translucent in a way and like partially in the way that he's shot and everything you're just like and he's awful and yeah. uh, does a really, I, I think, a really fine job. Yeah, I think it's it. an incredibly successful performance yeah. for, to just come in, be terrifying the and yeah. the worst, and then he's out of there. This is the element of the the film that feels the closest to a horror film. You know, totally. It's like because sure. he'll come up all these jump scares, 
they'll literally jump in, you mm. know, and, and it's, oh God, it's like so great when this part of the film is over. Yeah. But you got to cast someone else's bugs. Who are you yeah. thinking? What have creep one, have you cast? I have one creep on the books and that is Peter Green, who is uh, the actor who he plays Redfoot and the usual suspects. And he was in training day. He's yep. one of the guys on the roof. And I remember like we talked about him in training day. Cause oh, yeah. I was like, this is a guy who's like the drug dealer, or whatever. When they go to LA and usual suspects, okay, he's also, he's Zed in Pulp Fiction. He's a big creep uh, in that. Yes, he's the, he's the villain in the mask with Jim Carrey. He's oh, right. perfect creep. This is a great creep, strong creep acting, yep. but also not someone who is like, so like recognizable from other stuff that you're like, Oh yes, we brought in Gary Oldman for that, which you would never right. Bring a Gary right. Oldman for no. this, but you know what I mean. Like, that would be poor casting. But like, um, but just someone who it's like, yeah, you play a lot of like, just like that's when you need that note. You're call Peter Green. So call Peter Green or Mike Roskin. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean Peter Green. Well, my rest are too big of names. People like I mean, born the same year as Mark Ralston, Eric Roberts. I uh, did. <laughs> think of eric roberts he's a little too effete for me for this sure, but you know sure. why don't make it you can make it work or people like brad dorif or michael madsen yeah, or yeah, yeah. peter weller uh i also forgot peter weller that's an interesting choice yeah yeah i can see he look mark ralston looks a little like peter weller to me i think that's mm-hmm. why i was thinking him um and in my 1940s version this would be peter laurie <laughs> uh, and I forgot for the warden to mention my 1940s version. Just give me that Orson Welles and you could age him up to look like oh, older citizen right. Kane if you want. But uh, that's what I want. I want uh, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart as Andy and Orson Welles as the warden and uh, Peter Laurie as, so as funny. Uh, I just have bags. so much affection for Peter Laurie. I know he's kind of a creep, but I love him so much. I'm like, he can't play Boggs. <laughs> OK, I'll have to I'll, I'll have to think of someone else for Boggs then for my 1940s <laughs> version. Uh, but as for the actors who were actually considered one other actor who was cast but decided or offered the role but decided not to take it was a young james gandolfini oh wow that's a different vibe it really is but i understand yeah this being a role that's like this could really shape a public perception of you as an actor yeah i so i was reading a lot about because i recently rewatched velvet goldmine and i was reading a few like retrospectives like 20 years later or something there was one with jonathan reese myers and you know, he was talking about how it has really shaped how people like saw him. He's like, I mean, I do whatever, but you know, and, and the, the interviewer was like, Oh, has it really shaped like that much how people see you? He's like, you, cause it was his first film, you know, and, wow. and he's out there doing velvet gold. Yeah. He's like, you don't see me playing soldiers. He's like, Oh, I guess, I guess you don't. He's like, I'm never playing like military. I'm never doing this. He's like, I just, that's like, the way people saw me. And I also think it's partially like what he's bringing to the docket, but it's also like, well, yeah, if that's like how people saw you first, like yeah, that and something that extreme. And this does feel like an extreme. Totally. Move. Totally. Which I think is good on James Gandolfini ultimately to not yeah. do this, that, that it could pigeonhole in a way where that's some people I mean. like yeah. Peter green. It's like he's pigeonholed as being a creep. Yeah. And Mark Ralston to an extent, um, I'm more familiar with Peter green, but uh, that he's always playing that creepy creepy guy but james gandolfini instead in 1994 was doing uh the movie angie with gina davis which we love that gina davis and he was playing ben pinkwater in terminal velocity where a maverick skydiver and a former kgb agent team up to stop the russian mafia from stealing gold what what's wrong (laughs) (laughs) moving on to 
Tommy. Amy Joe, your thoughts on that on Gil Bellows, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? It's so funny because the name this has nothing to do with anybody's acting. The name Gil Bellows to me should be the name of the actor who plays Elmo Blatch. Like mm. that guy should be sure. Gil Bellows. But he's not. He's this guy. It is. That's my smart and savvy <laughs> observation for today. Um Keeping it smart, keeping it savvy. I had trouble with this. This is another one that I think like should be easy enough to cast, and yet I couldn't think of a ton of people off the top. It's a weirdly sized role. It's a weird sized role, so you can't get someone like major to do it. But you, you, it's someone who's about to be major. That's what you want. That's what you want. You want to catch someone on the brink. You know, it's such a particular energy. I think this guy's great. I think like he is such a different. You feel the era shift. Even though obviously they're all just people living in 1993, but like you feel suddenly the the 50s and the 60s come in, you know, like you feel that. you're feeling that they've been in prison for so long. So now that the people coming in are a different generation, yes. it's not just a now here's well, more like, prisoners. It's like, no, no, this guy's coming in who's been living with cars and TV. Yeah, as opposed to I think this is so many things that are so great about the film, like when when Brooks, who we've not talked about, but when Brooks, Brooks, Brooks. the the elderly librarian gets released on parole and he sends them all a letter that he's like narrating and he's like i saw an automobile once and not two but you know when now, I was a they're kid, but now they're everywhere and it's like oh yeah this is a guy who's like yeah the only car he's seen is like the van bringing the people into the prison you know right. and so it's like this is someone who's never been out there and so like yeah. to see the generation shift of like what they are right. used to or not and, and i should say if it's been a while since you've seen it listener tommy's the one who like comes in 90 minutes into the movie yeah. to, to be the new prisoner and he's helping teach him how to like write and yeah yeah read and he's the one who's shared a cell with elmo blatch uh who, who, who find actually out is the person, yes. killed andy's wife and her lover Love so it's like he tommy could potentially help get andy out of jail yes and the warden's like yeah but instead what if i just kill tommy instead oh, it's so sad it's so yeah. it's so sad every time and i'm like i know it's not real those craft services just out of view but it's so sad <laughs> to me um, I did enjoy because I forget if you were there with me. I was home visiting home uh, sometime in the last year or so, and Shawshank Redemption was on. It's like great, let's just put this on. For yeah. whatever reason, my parents my parents love the like let's watch a movie, and it's always and I get it, folks. But it's like, what's the new movie? What's the new Liam Neeson movie or the new Kevin Costner movie? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about all of the old classic movies that even you if you've know seen you them, like. you don't remember a thing about, yeah. like Shawshank Redemption. And Shawshank was like an hour to the end. So I was like, oh, let's just put this on and watch this. And they're like, oh, yeah, but and couldn't remember a thing. So it's like Tommy gets shot. The warden's like nods and Tommy gets shot. Mom's like, well, why is he doing that? <laughs> like, well, it's. You missed the setup. You missed the setup. He's this is a, not a good guy. I'm like, well, why do you do that for? Like, what'd he do? I'm like, I. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Like, we have missed a good half of the film. We missed a bit. I'll fill in the blanks. I'll fill in the blanks. Um, right. But so that's that's who Tommy is in, in yeah. regards to uh, the film at large. Uh, so who who would you cast? If you got to cast someone else. I have great options for this. Um, uh, I've got one terrible option. Well, one bad one I have is Elvis Presley. That's a great option. What do you mean? If this well, is my number, 1950s version? If it was 1950s version. I mean, technically, I well, think Well, if it was that, made in 1984, Elvis would be a terrible option because he was long dead. Yes, well, that's the thing is I think that this actually is taking place in like 
like I think I think Tommy comes into the prison in the late sixties. Like Elvis is already not doing so great. To when did Elvis well, die? Early seventies. Early seventies. So we're, we're getting near Vegas Elvis yeah. time. You know. Yeah. Um. Regardless, Elvis. He Ooh. looks like him. He's designed his True. look after him. Why not just have it be him? Don't think he'd be quite as good as Gilbello's. Let me see. Oh, and then this would also be for like a sixties version. <laughs> Such a weird choice, but I have. Tony Mordente, who plays action in the original West Side Story movie. Great. <laughs> I'm just love like, it. I always love action, but seeing that kind of guy who's like, yeah, you know, I got feelings, I got opinions. Yeah, I'm kind of like a sure. shit story. Yeah. <laughs> what? Easy action. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. No? Sure. <laughs> uh, those, those are your. I didn't have any good options. No worries. These just get worse and worse. Oh, it's all good. You mentioning Elvis, though, made me think, if this movie was made today, you could get the guy who's about to play Elvis in the Boz Lerman movie, Austin Austin Butler. Butler. Who I wrote down because I went through to see who all had played Elvis and things. Didn't Jonathan Reese Myers play Elvis? He did. He did. (laughs) I saw. I was shocked to see this. But Austin Butler, because you saw him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's like, he's the guy, the Manson guy at the end. Tex. Tex. Yeah. He's great. Yes, he's great. So that energy, I could see him as Tommy. All right. You know what? Um, I had him on the list. I was like, I can't say that. I have no opinion on this guy. But But I do. As for the 1994 version, I could see he's coming off hot off of Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. It's not yet LA Confidential. Young Guy Pierce. Yeah. I could see. I I saw a lot of non-Americans and I was like, I don't, I forgot like how good uh, Guy Pierce does a pretty good American accent, right? He does a great. He's in Memento, a, yeah, in Memento, in L.A. Confidential, he's yeah. a fan. I think he does an incredible American yeah. accent. Well, the Aussies tend to be better, True. unless you're Nicole Kidman. True. Some might say they do a better American accent than Americans. Yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> um, might. I could see a little different. Give me a Benicio del Toro. Oh, this is the year before Usual Suspects. Give me that young Benicio. Yeah, I'd be he's certainly got in. a lot of that. Like he comes in and he changes the temperature of the room. Yeah. If you want a really bad version, he's just <laughs> become a smash hit off of the sitcom he's in. What, what about Matt LeBlanc coming in as Tommy? Old Joey it's Tribbiani. Not, it's not the worst casting That's choice for it today. It's not the worst in that I could see him I can being see it. up for it. And I don't really want it's it, It's better though. than Nick Cage as no. Andy Dufresne. But in the 1940s version, give me, it's his film debut. Give me that Marlon Brando. <laughs> Marlon Brando. Come Marlon, on. Marlon, a young Marlon would have made a very uh, lovely Andy, honestly. Yeah, More working true, class. But I want the lankiness. I don't want Brando with all of his muscles. <laughs> want all those muscles he can bring those muscles over to tammy and you're like those muscles can't help you when a guy's shooting at you from a tower oh, they don't do nothing no they can't no now the role was intended for brad pitt but he dropped out following the success of thelma i was about to say this louise. is like right after thelma and louise yeah thinking about brad pitt in that movie i can see it i mean of course but that's like Nothing against Gil Bellows, but like he comes in and he's got like, it's like a monologue that feels like, why is this monologue no, so long? I and will it's a say, real showy. The camera's yeah. like just, just staying on him and is slowly pulling him. And he's, as he's talking about, they had me, uh, you know, rooming with this guy and like, but it takes a while to get to. I know part of that, I was thinking watching it this time that I was like, this feels, I, I was sitting there going like, I'm aware of this being a monologue, but I felt like that's in. The writing too, like there's nothing in there to be like, 
let me paint a picture for you. Not right. that, please that don't anyone think that that's like the line I think it should be, but like, it's going to take a minute to get to the yeah. point. But like, but I, I wonder, I wonder if you had like too showy of a, an actor, if it mm. would counterbalance it weirdly, if it on, if you don't want like such a star presence as Brad Pitt, yeah. where you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Who is this creature? Yeah. This beautiful, beautiful to man. Wait the movie weirdly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Cause like, I always say also like Gil Bellas is like an attractive looking guy. Yeah. He's not Brad Pitt. He's not one of the people who you're like, the camera wants to like, just take your face and eat it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, just like that yeah. uh instead in 94 brad pitt had interview with the vampire oh. and legends of the fall so he was being a legends smoke show legend oh remember when brad pitt guested on legends of the hidden temple it was a great app no one knew because he was one of the temple guards he had the mask <laughs> on the whole time they're trying to put the silver monkey together oh, and he's just he's grabbing them just... and they're like don't let me go temple guard don't let me go i can feel those brad pitt muscles <laughs> underneath that temple guard outfit that might be cultural appropriation question mark might be uh, and finally amy joe let's talk about red your thoughts on that morgan freeman and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else i've written here i refuse and i assumed you'd be like no but if you had to to which i've written don't then don't do make this the movie. movie don't make the movie if you can't wait wait until you get morgan freeman and if it couldn't be till today do it today and now you can do your stupid irishman vfx right. to make him look younger in the beginning oh i see what you're saying i thought you meant irish man because i think originally this was like an irish character in the book in the he's just book. yeah in the book yeah. he's like a red-headed yeah, irish guy red, yeah which is such a such a great line then you're like well what if we kept that and yeah. let our actor be amazing why do they call you so red funny. maybe it's because i'm irish um <laughs> it's perfect it's i have i mean I, I think the obvious choice if you're doing it now or anytime in the last 10 years is obviously denzel like you know uh. and like Obviously, this does not have to be a black man in this role, but I, I don't know. I think it's like really great to have. Yeah. I don't know, especially like in the nineties, uh, you know, when we're not like necessarily really focused on like what you're, if we have, you're like, commenting on something without having to comment on it. Yeah. You know, as each time you see him being denied for parole, it it carries and it helps a different way. You never find out what he's in for. Well, you know, he's in for murder. Yes. But you don't know what he did. But yes. in terms of to what extent. We don't hear about the crime. Yeah. It just I think says it's, that. it's either in the book or it's like was maybe in the script and then got cut. Maybe it's in the book. Is that like he like cut the brakes on like his wife or ex-wife's car, but other people were in the car. So he wound up killing like four people. And it's like, it's good to not know yeah. that. Yeah. And it's good to not know like. Cause you're going to fill it in for yourself anyway. You know? right. But I also love that that's not what the movie is about or doing. Yeah. It's like, you rarely know what anyone is in for at all, you know, because it's like, well, well, it's well they're all innocent. That. Exactly. <laughs> but it's also like, that's by making that joke, you make Lawyer it like, that's me. not what it's about, you know? Yeah, um, it's true. But I, I, yeah, I do think that, especially cause he's the only character that we see in front of the parole board who are always all white and all men until that last yeah. parole board when there's one woman do you think you know? she's the one that got him that released him do you think it was all her yeah i think that's clear i think that's clear <laughs> that's what that's what that oh my god um but what do i know about uh prison other than like what, what i have read and, and watched you know but by having a black man in this role and, and a white man playing andy like you are painting a certain kind of like racial fantasy potentially but it is also like insofar as like 
how segregated a lot of prisons still tend to be and that sort of thing. Mm. But like, I, I do appreciate that. Like we are, cause I mean, like you can look at the ending as being literal or as a fantasy, you know, and I like to imagine that's what really happens, you know, oh, but like, yeah. but I do think it is also, there's something beautiful about having this like interracial friendship. That's like, it's just like, again, not knowing what these people are really in for, what crimes they committed. We're able to focus on their humanity and I think it's like really beautiful to see an example of like interracial friendship. That's not a green book or something like that. You know, something, something that's just like, yeah. it's truly about them as humans and not about them overcoming like race trauma yeah. in order to, it's to not a factor that. because you've just taken, because you've taken a character who is in the book, at least written as white yeah. and just cast a black actor Yeah, that you don't need to change anything. Cause they're just human. Right. I mean, obviously, like, if this were a screenplay based on a novella written by a black man, I'm sure, like, we would get a lot more nuanced sure. commentary on all of that. But it's like, well... Which could be great. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing against that whatsoever. But I just, I love that it is or the same as taking, like, a role that's written taking, for a man like, and, and casting and a woman. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Ripley and Alien, perfect example. It's yeah. like, yeah, well, we can, There, not everything has to be about racial trauma like we could tell this story because like this is about two people that went through a thing together, you yeah. know? So I, I don't know. I think that at least having one actor of color, in one of the two lead roles, but particularly it being red, who is the person who knows how to get things, who is yeah. like, has so much like power and agency within as much as one can in a prison. Like, I think there's something really beautiful about that. And also just like <laughs> Morgan Freeman's so good. Oh, so He's good. just so good. Every, I mean, has Morgan Freeman ever in his career given a bad line reading? I don't think he has. I, I don't heard it. I've never seen him give a bad performance, and I've never seen him give a bad line reading. He's mm -hmm. been given bad lines to, to read, say, yeah. but he. I've never seen Morgan Freeman not show up. His ease, and yeah, that he just shows up at his ease and how like deep he runs is just like so beautiful, especially. In a character like this where we we need more backstory from him than we need from like Haywood, but we don't get it. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. You know, it's it's just he gives us so much without having to have the like the novel uh, explanation. Right. We don't need a monologue about his nope. kids on the outside or no. whatever. It's like and honestly, that would then muddy the waters if right. they were like at the end for the ending. It's like you kind Correct. of assume that they they don't have anyone else on the outside. Yeah. Andy or Red. Ex that's why it's like accept each other. That's yeah. all they need at the end. It's just such a good shot. Originally, it was just going to be like him on the bus and then like a shot of the water and it'd be like and you wouldn't know if he would be reunited yeah. with Andy or not. And the studio were like, no, we want them reunited. And Frank Darabont was like, well, I'll split the difference. I'm going to zoom out at the end. I'm not going to have some teary reunion yeah, yeah, as yeah. he walked, they walk towards each other. Camera will float away. And I think that's just such a beautiful, it's literally one of my favorite last shots of a movie. Yeah. Because it's, because it splits that difference. Cause it's not so saccharine. And then yeah. like, it's still like sentimental, but it's not totally. Yeah. It, we don't, yeah. we don't get to be part of that moment. Yeah. Any more than like, yeah. It, and it also mirrors all the crane shots that they did for yeah. the film, or I guess helicopter shots, actually. Those aren't crane shots, but like. They might be crane shots, the ones over the prison. Some oh, of them. Some of them. Sure. That one big sweeping shot's definitely yeah. got to be a helicopter that comes in. The first Ro Roger, the Roger Deakins, we should say, who's mm -hmm. the cinematographer, who's one of the best cinematographers unbelievable. of all time. And this is like one of, to me, one of, if not his best work. Ugh. Yeah, oh, it's so good. If I had to cast someone else, and you're you're so right, it's hard. It's because this is 
It's perfection. It's an iconic performance. The voice is so indelible. And I do think that this movie is one of the reasons why Morgan Freeman's voice is so indelible because we yeah. get to hear so much of it. Totally. Ugh. This this might be to me one of the best castings, if not the best of any any role in a film that we've done so far on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone that I'm like because it's hard. I put some names. That's literally if Morgan Freeman couldn't do it yeah. or turn it down. I could see a Danny Glover. Yeah. I could see a Delroy Lindo. Mm-hmm. I'm interested mm-hmm. in. And I could actually see Tommy Lee Jones as Red. I where he, he's a very that very he's a grump. Yeah. I get it. But I could see that and then the seeing it being yeah. seeing that being softened, I, I could I could see. If this is made like today, he's not as well known, but for whatever reason I just thought of this actor as uh, Clark Peters, who was on the wire, and I saw him off Broadway. Yeah, in the Royale, but he's giving me a similar energy from what I want. And in my 1940s, 50s version, mm, give me a Yul Brynner. That's oh. what I'm going to say. I want a, I want a Yul Brynner. Yul Brynner. That's what I want. That's this what might I want. be our first Yul it might be on our, the pod. It might be. <laughs> we'll see if it's the last. <sighs> um, but yeah, in the original novel, he's a middle-aged white Irishman with graying red hair. Which is good to keep in mind in terms of the other actors who were up for I this I figured that role. we would be getting a, a hodgepodge of yeah. performers. So for Rob Reiner's version, where he wanted, I believe I said he wanted Tom Cruise, right? Mm-hmm. To Tom Cruise's Andy, he wanted Harrison Ford as Red. I, look. It's hard picturing the friendship between Tom Cruise and Harrison Ford. I can tell you, I'm not invested. No. It's also just... I get like I get that Harrison Ford was one of the biggest movie stars like ever. And he's very charming in a lot this of stuff. This is but, like the every... year after the fugitive. But you but him and him and Tommy Lee Jones. Well, now there you go. <laughs> now, there you go. Now this have... is the sequel. If Tommy Lee Jones caught him and sent him to jail, <laughs> now he's in jail. Oh. And then we have Tommy Lee Jones as the warden. Oh now Tommy Lee Jones as Warden Norton. Now, now we're talking. Now we're thinking. Now we're cooking with gas. Whoa. Yeah, I I get that people were like, get me Harrison Ford for anything, you know, but it's just like, not anything, folks, not anything. Not not like this. Not, not like, like this. this. <laughs> yeah. He, in 1984, he had clear and present danger. His Jack Ryan sequel to Patriot Games. Yeah, I feel like he wasn't clear and present star. danger in this movie of being no, bad. No, yeah. I just can't. No. I can't see it. We sat on the roof and felt like <laughs> free men. No. I just hope I see Andy again. <laughs> Not the My friend. Speaking of, Clint Eastwood was considered. Not really. Yes. I thought you was were considered. joking. No. That I get. I would never I mean, joke. About- Penn and Teller were considered and Clint Eastwood. I was joking about that. But Clint Eastwood actually was. I love you. just became a little gopher. Um, um, okay. Here's the thing. I don't like it either, but I like it better than Harrison Ford. Wow. Really? Yes. Okay. Again, okay. again, you get the like kind of affable grump in a way that like Harrison Ford's too like, no, I'm a lovable grump, you know? Yeah, I get it. Now he, he's a wise cracking grump in a different way than like Morgan Freeman cracks wise. That's, you know? Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, no, I'm saying Harrison Ford is a oh. wise cracking in a way that I'm just like that's too oh, much. It's too much. I got you. You know, I'm Clint Eastwood is at least a little more restrained in that respect. Yeah, fair enough. But I don't want it. New. No, uh, 
Sidney Poitier turned it down. Oh. Now that I'm interested in. Absolutely. How old would he have been in 93 or so? I'm going to go with dirt. <laughs> dirt old. Dirt old. Uh, so. I don't know offhand, but he's up there. Yeah. I think it's a lot of you're you're dying the hair for the younger yeah, scenes sure. more than adding the gray for the later scenes. Did, um, do you know why he turned it down? No. Maybe it's just that it's... He's old. He's old. <laughs> he's like, it's really a lot scheduled. of movies. Well, I just didn't know he's because he's, yeah. you know, played I, I convicts I before, but I do also know, like, particularly, like... But a long time ago, Yes, you know? but also, like, a black man of his generation is, like, I don't want to play a felon or... I, I don't know, you know. I have no information or assumption to be it being about I'm the material. Uh, opposed to it being just a matter of That's a schedule grueling schedule, and or, I don't know if I yeah. can do that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, Gene Hackman was considered... Again, I'm seeing him more as a warden. Yeah, I like that as the warden. Yeah. Robert Duvall was considered. I'm getting that a bit more. Bob Duvall is the, that has made more sense to yeah. me. But yeah, but once again, I kind of like him as the warden instead. Yes, because he's also got a warmth to him that like can can fool you a Can bit. curdle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that can curdle. Yeah. Now, I understand this in regards to that initial description of Red, Robert Redford was considered, which I honestly, I get. Yeah. I can so see, I, I see that like I'm the lifer at prison and I'm like, you know what? I like Dandy. I guess you could say I liked him right from the beginning. I can yeah. map that onto Robert Redford. Yeah. Instead, he was directing Quiz Show that year, oh, which was man, up against Josh. Everything back to Quiz Show. Uh, everything back to that Quiz Show, uh, which is fine. I saw it once. I don't know if I need to revisit it. Never have I ever uh, seen that movie. You got Ray Fiennes. You got John Turturro. You got, you got John Goodcaster. There are in other movies. Um, and Paul Newman. Well, it seems to me if Robert Redford is up for something, they're also thinking, now what if we got Paul Newman in this joint? <laughs> I know they're very different generations. We're thinking but Sundance. Like, what about Butch? But truly, it's just like, wow, like the unimaginativeness of uh, a lot of Well, execs, I think it's you more know? you're looking at actors of a certain age. For and sure. I get wanting of like, because I assume Morgan Freeman is younger than yes. those guys, but probably well, not well, so Morgan much Freeman younger. Morgan Freeman was born in 37. Oh, okay. So, you so know. maybe actually not that younger. It's, it's also easy to forget that Morgan Freeman kind of hit when he was already so much older. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause like you've got whatever his early, early stuff of uh, whatever that show is electric light something. Company. Yes. Um, but like driving by the time of like street was, I think street smart with Christopher Reeve was his first Oscar nomination. And that was the late eighties. And that's, mm. he's already in his forties. It's yeah. easy to forget that he's like, Oh yeah, he's already of a certain age by the time he hit mm-hmm. opposed to the guys like Redford and Newman and, Eastwood. (laughs) Like, did you see this face? People thought I better put that on camera as soon as I can because I'm a little baby with cheekbones. Can you see Paul Newman's eyes? Get these eyes on camera. These eyes will haunt audiences for decades. Them baby blues. Uh, Instead, Paul Newman had in 1994 the movie Nobody's Fool, which got him an Oscar nomination. Him and Morgan Freeman both losing to Tom Hanks that year for Forrest Gump for lead actor. Uh, And he had, I forgot this was also in 84 apparently, was the Hudsucker Proxy oh. with Tim Robbins. Oh, there we go. There you go. So Tim Robbins had this and Hudsucker Proxy. Wow. I mean, depends on who you ask, because I love that Hudsucker Proxy. Some people not too big of a fan well, of Hudsucker Proxy. those people 
are not fun. They're schnobs is what they are. Because I think that's a classic. Also, I, you know what? I'm due for a rewatch of Hudsucker. Because yeah. I haven't seen it in a while. And that's that's one of them. I'm just like, I like a comments. heightened style. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. So those were all the characters that I found other casting options for. But there are a few characters we didn't mention. I want oh, to briefly sure touch are. on them. I mean, there's so many. We've touched on them before. But yeah, Will Sadler is Haywood. Crushes it. Because all the other like prisoners in their club... I forget about Floyd and some come in and some might disappear. Or then by the end, there's people talking, I think like remembering Andy or maybe the ones talking about Tommy. And I'm like, who were these guys? There's the guy who looks, I kept trying to figure the guy who looks kind of like Dan Hedaya. Um, yeah. Who like, I feel Mm -hmm. like the way they age him up, he looks very different at the end than he does when he's younger. Totally. Um, and then there's the tall, Red, I do believe you are speaking out of your ass. That's Floyd. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's very great. distinct. Yeah, that guy. Um, but then there's some. There's a there's few a others that I'm glasses. like glasses. Ah, glasses, of course. Glasses. Um, but the point is that Haywood is doing a lot of the heavy lifting in regards to how the prison thinks of Andy, because yeah, he's the one that's yeah. really like looking down at Andy at the beginning and like just doesn't get him. It's just like he's the he's the one like offering him a bottle of beer when he yeah. he pretty much that's what he wants. He's like the great scene with Hadley where it's like, do you trust your wife? Cause Hadley's got money and Hadley's like, what do you say? He's going to throw him off the roof. And it's like, I can use my, you know, outside banker knowledge to help get, you can keep all that money and I'll do it for you. If you just, I just want like three bottles of beer for my, my friends, me and each of my coworkers, my coworkers. coworkers. Right? And Hey, what's like, you want a beer? And it's like, no, no, you keep drinking. And he just doesn't even, he's like, I don't understand. Like, and Red's like, I think he just wanted to feel normal again. But Haywood is just like, I don't get this guy. I'm like, yeah, but, but I'm going to drink your a, beer. In a way that is by that point affable. It's like, oh, oh 100%. You want a beer, Andy? Yeah. Like, the, it's friendly. Um, yeah. But, but it's just like when he, the great scene of him playing the opera, the marriage oh, of Figaro yeah. through. And he's just like, couldn't do any Hank Williams. Couldn't Andy? play something good. Yeah. Couldn't play something good. Hey, and then there's that great line. They broke the door down before I could take requests. Yeah. Ugh, what a badass scene. That's, That's such a perfect right. scene is Andy locking the card in the toilet and then just blasting the marriage of figure out to all the prisoners is so beautiful. And then when um, when uh, the guard, oh my gosh, Hadley, like takes the stick out and just like tap, tap, frame, tap, 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 you're mine right. now. Your ass is mine. And just like. Oh no, that I think you're right. That's the word in the beginning is like your ass is mine. Yeah, yeah, there it's just like tap, tap, tap. You're mine now. Yeah. And speaking of Clancy Brown as Captain Hadley. I said it while we were watching. Ooh. This might be the best number two performance so that I've good. seen. So full but understated. Yeah. And you know? so, like he's never over the top. No, well that's that's what I meant by understated. Yeah. But also but, like for someone who's done a lot of like voice acting too. The voice, this is the voice, if you're not familiar, listener, this is the voice of Mr. Krabs on Spongebob, along with the voice of everything. Yeah, but it's like he could have goosed it in many different ways, and he never, never a note, but like just like the glimmer of like in that moment in particular, when he like taps the thing against the glass, um, the glimmer in his eyes of just like delight. It's like he has just enough sprinkling in of that, but not ever stepping over the line to be like, okay, dude, like I get it. You're having a good time playing a villain. You know, it never feels right. Shakespearean. And I love Shakespeare, but part of, part of that sort of thing is like a reveling in the size, a captain hook, if you will. And this sure. is not meant to do Ooh, that. Somebody cast 
Clancy Brown as Captain Hook. I, 10 out of 10 would watch. Oh, man, would that be good. Yeah. Um, so Clancy Brown said that he had received several offers from real-life corrections officers to work with him in order to make his portrayal more realist- realistic, and he turned them all down because, to him, he was like, this is an evil character, and he did not want to misrepresent real corrections officers. Ooh. Which I think makes sense. And I'm like, I don't. there's nothing about his performance that I'm like, well, that doesn't, I don't feel like that's how... someone would behave but i'm also like i get it i was just listening to this podcast um over the weekend um called motive and season i think it's season four they're on right now and they do a different like every episode in the season is like a different story but um this this season's theme is on prisons Mm. uh and like basically how it's big business for small towns now and there's there's one episode, I forget, it's like the warden and her crew or something like that, but it's basically about this, I don't know that it's, she's not a warden, but she's like a high-ranking correctional officer in this prison, and like, the, she basically was like investigated for, um, you know, corruption and, and oh. for, you know, inappropriate, like, you know, <gasps> beating people and this sort of thing, but the, it's so interesting to hear like the guards talking about how it's like, they would like die for this woman because she always had their back. She always had theirs. Like uh, they always had hers, you know, and it's just like to, to see that like culture and they're like, well, cause it's hard. It's a really hard job. And it's, I don't know. It's just so interesting to be like, Oh, and then to hear the investigators who are doing the, the way they'll like coax, coax her out being like, you know, like uh, my husband's a correctional officer. I'm law enforcement, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a hard job. And just like to hear how they'll like, continue like laying the net for her to like you know perjure herself as she's talking they basically found all these emails of hers where she was like emailing her husband talking about like some stuff that they pulled or whatever like really inappropriate like i mean just like brutality basically but anyway it's very interesting and it it, it is also just interesting in that way because it's like of course there are like with the cops people who are trying to do a good job but the system is not designed to let you do that you know and it's um so anyway it's a it's not really my recommend, but it's like a very, it was. I was thinking about it watching this yeah. movie because I had just listened to this episode, yeah, and listening to them all talk about you know, totally the culture. She I think had been there like twenty three years or something like that. So I was thinking of her watching this guy who Jeez. is clearly also like just yeah, Clancy Brown is like playing it like yeah, not not a redeeming bone in his body. No, I would recommend. I think it's behind a paywall now, but the podcast I was there too. His mm, episode on talking yes. about. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, maybe. Oh, you can? Oh, maybe. Maybe. I don't maybe know. Maybe you can find it on YouTube. If you look up on YouTube, I was there too. Maybe you'll find Clancy Brown. Just talking about his casting process for this, where, like, the reader, I forget who it is, but it's, like, some, like, might have been the casting director. Or it was, it was, either way, the reader was, like, some sweet, small woman, and he was like, I can't be yelling at her. Like, he's like, I know her. I can't mm. be. And that helped get him the role, because it was like, well, who do we want to be stuck with for months of filming? Do we want someone who is actually this guy, or do we want someone who seems like this guy, has the voice and of is this a real guy, teddy bear. but is actually just a real teddy bear? Yeah. And that's what you want, is that teddy bear, Clancy Brown. There's, there's a guy in, in, who was in the whole run of Kinky Boots who was playing one of the heavies who people would be very intimidated by him. They'd be like, oh, I was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they would actually meet danny and he's like he was the beating heart of the show you know he's like just the kindness it's like oh it didn't occur to me you'd be scared of him he's just a really good actor right yeah you know but that's that's what you want with your villains um we gotta talk about that 
Brooks, James Whitmore. How is he not nominated for an Oscar? How did he not it is win a an Oscar? Devastating performance. It's so, so good. Be- every time he came on screen, did I not go? Oh! Yeah. It's such like the microcosm of the movie as a whole because you're seeing yeah. him as this longtime lifer who then gets out and just can't make it on the outside. And it's just like the movie just cuts away. And it's all like under the pretense of a letter he's written, this suicide note that he's written yeah. to the guys in jail as you're seeing him just like debate like, oh, like maybe I could, you know, rob the grocery store and shoot. Maybe the- I could shoot the manager <laughs> too, sort of like a, a bonus. bonus. And in, instead winds up hanging himself as he carves the Brooks was here and which oh, red is later staying there and carves in red was too before he books it and leaves town. But I mean, Brooks again, is this, so good. So good. But this movie is also again and again a really like, beautiful nuanced portrait of how like these people are thrown away like trash and they're not supported in reentering society. It's like, do you feel you've been rehabilitated? It's like, how is he going to be, you know, how, how is he supposed to be rehabilitated? Oh yeah, sure. I worked in the laundry for 40 years. It's really like I've paid my debt to society and it's really helped me, you know? And then you have like Andy being like, maybe people could be able to get their high school diplomas and do things that will actually help them get on their feet when they get back into society, you know, it's just like, but because, Brooks is like such a beautifully cast, beautifully performed. Like it, it, it really drives that point home in a very emotional way. I think one hundred percent. So Frank Darabont is the one who dropped the Rita Hayworth of the title because the title of the yeah. novella is Rita Hayworth in the and Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption, Redemption, which he dropped because he thought that he would receive resumes from actresses thinking the movie was a Hayworth biopic. Yeah. Didn't do any good dropping Rita Hayworth from the title. During casting, he would receive calls from agents representing people to come in to read for Rita Hayworth, including one agent who represented a supermodel and he swore the script was the best that she'd ever read (laughs) and that she'd be perfect for the part of Hayworth. Hollywood is full of baloney. (laughs) That doesn't tell you. Put that on a shirt, people. Hollywood is full Full of baloney. baloney. Exclamation point. So final thoughts, Amy Jo, anything we haven't touched on, any characters or moments that popped out at you? I mean, I didn't really take any notes because turns out you? it's a very good movie. It's a perfect movie. It's also one that I've seen a million times. So it's just kind of like, I just was enjoying it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's stunningly shot. It's like when you then get out of the prison and into like rural Maine and he goes to Buxton and those like wheat fields, just like the color as compared to like the, wh- whatever the the line is about, like, you know, something, something in a gray place, you mm. know, just like the stone, like there are places where they can't reach places that aren't made of stone, you know, yeah. it's just like, I think that's so beautiful. Then it's like, of course, like this big scene happens like with an oak tree. And I love that in that scene where, where red goes to this rock fence that, um, yeah. Andy's told him to go to, to like dig something up that there's no score underneath it. Because there's been so much beautiful score underneath it, but then it's just like you hear like nature buzzing around him from like n- uh. not in a like huge overwhelming kind of way, but it's just like you can really just hear like the quiet, which is something that didn't exist in prison. You know, even if you're you're vivifying that with the score versus by having the absence of sound. And I don't know. I just think it's a really stunning scene and a stunning moment. And and I, it every time that I watch that scene, I'm always just like, get chills because because there's no music underneath it. So I don't know. The whole thing's really good. I'd watch it again tonight. 
Maybe Hudsucker Proxy tonight and Shawshank tomorrow. Okay. Nice. Uh, so I'll end on this. Stephen King never cashed his $5,000 check for the rights to the film. Also, that's it. And I assume there's more of like money in terms of residuals, right. but that's in the initial check. It's only 5000 bucks to make this into a movie right. that he's getting. But he never cashed it. And several years after the movie came out, he got the check framed and mailed it back to Frank Darabont with a note inscribed, in case you ever need bail money. Love, Steve. (laughs) Amy Jo. Why, yes? What are you recommending this week? Well, I'm going to go ahead and just mention again, because I was talking about it recently, and I I have really enjoyed, I mean, enjoyed is maybe not the right word, but I've, I've really liked listening to motive what Mm. i've listened to thus far i think it's like wbz chicago or something but you can find it wherever you find podcasts Um, but that's season four i haven't listened to any of the other seasons but season four if any of this is like interesting to you from a criminal justice standpoint there's a lot of really like good reporting uh on that but i would like to recommend this week another podcast um that maybe i'm appearing on their most recent episode um it's called hashtag i love my wife or I love my wife podcast, and um, they have so, so it's these it's these two wives, and they're awesome, and they have on a ton of amazing people from like a really eclectic guest list, but a lot particularly if you're at all in the performing arts or like the queer scene. There's so many like great drag performers and like singers and like people like me who are not necessarily like super well known to like a like a massive audience but like have really interesting careers and niche following and everything so like my longtime music director brian nash is a guest like he's how how i got connected with them but they have like miss richfield 1981 who is a drag queen that if you've ever seen a commercial with a drag queen and you probably would recognize her and like all sorts of people but there's also like sommeliers and like bakers and like travel experts and all that stuff and we had a really fun conversation and they're so personable and i've really liked the other episodes that i've listened to so i'm recommending hashtag i love my wife love it jeff Amy Joe. What's your recommend? Uh, well, we did a movie taking place in a prison, so I'm going to recommend another prison set film that I saw about a year or so ago called Starred Up from 2013. It's this cr- uh, British crime drama with uh, Jack O'Connell as this 19-year-old guy who is locked up in prison, and he's being like, try to start up. So it's like he would be in whatever kind of prison, but he's such so violent. He's like, no, you're going to like the worst of the worst, where his father... Ben Mendelsohn has been a longtime prisoner and it's about like their relationship and about it's, it's just a really beautiful character drama between the two of them and Rupert friend as like the psychologist who comes to the prison. Uh, and I found it very moving, um, is much more violent or like darker than something like Shawshank Redemption. Um, but if you're like, I want a movie that's also like, dealing with like this the relate these relationships between men that like not these non-romantic like platonic or in this case familial like strong strong relationships between mm. men uh this is another really great example with some beautiful acting especially between jack o'connell and ben mendelson who is always the best <laughs> uh so that movie is once again starred up 
And that's what we're recommending this week. Da, da, da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know and let us know if we should do Interview with a Vampire. Question mark? Um, if you'd like to find out what movie we are doing next week, which next week's definitely not Interview with a Vampire, but if you'd like to know, gosh, what is it? You can follow us on Instagram at andalmoststarring where we will post about it. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred. <laughs>